The Fake Show is brought to you by Threads of Envy, the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Craft House Brewery, the Tone Factory Recording Studio, Moonshot.com T-Shirt Designs, and by Mr. Antenna. Now your host, Jim Tofty. Ian Anderson and Jethro Tull have put out an extraordinary amount of great music since the late 60s and really never slowed down, selling more than 50 million albums. Ian is a multi-instrumentalist, though he mainly plays flute and acoustic guitar along with being the lead vocalist. Their most popular albums include Aqualung, Benefit, Thick as a Brick, and Living in the Past. With a brand new album and tour to discuss, I've got Ian Anderson on the line right now in the UK. Welcome back to the show. Congratulations on what is, I guess, your 23rd album, yes? Well, people bandy these these, uh, statistics around. I have no reason to disagree with them, but uh, (laughs) it's not what I spend my time. I don't really really count the albums or the pennies. I just do what I do and... uh, try and enjoy it as long as I can. But yes, it's been quite a few, that's for sure. Let me try to pronounce it. Is it rook flute? Well, it's it's really rook, which is um, rook. the word rock, but with the umlaut, giving it a uh sound, rook. Right. Flirter, and um, rock is the old Icelandic word meaning destiny, and um, employed in the term Ragnarok, which is, um, right. if you like, the end of days scenario of, of uh, the Norse mythology, the, uh, the, 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 uh, the, the end of days, but also the new beginning, and that's really part of what I'm talking about on this album, which is an album based on the polytheistic beliefs, the pagan beliefs of uh, the old Norse gods and and the Norse uh, society who believed in them. Suddenly strikes me that I think it's fair to say that you write about things, not so much from your own experiences and emotions, but you're more like a painter observing other people and landscapes. That's that's right. It's uh, uh, pretty common in the world of pop and rock music to write heart-on-sleeve music about you know your feelings and the way the way you describe your own life, your usually human relations, being in love, being out of love, that, that makes up 90% of everything that's ever been written in the, in the context of pop and rock music. But there are those of us who write in a more observational style, who who, who use descriptive terminology. We, we like to paint a picture of of people and places. I think Bruce Springsteen is an example of that in, in uh, American music and Past Bob Dylan too. Yeah, it's it's less about singing about how you feel. It's more about uh, uh, you giving 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 the listener the opportunity to to look at a bigger picture. Sometimes in a romanticized way, and I guess Bruce Springsteen's popularity is because he's he he brings alive the world that he grew up in, and and perhaps for me to do to do that, uh, I I need to again, be convincing about my world, and my world is the world of Europe and the world of European culture and tradition. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm, not, from, I'm not from New Jersey. So, <laughs> so we'll leave that bit to Brucey, shall we? Uh, well, we wouldn't know it. You did, just did a great accent there, Ian. Uh, I, say, I say New Jersey because my, my son-in-law is in, is in uh, New Jersey at the moment shooting a, 
uh, another uh, one of the final episodes of a series uh, follow-up series to The Walking Dead. So he's busy um, earning a, really? a dishonest crush being Rick Grimes again for a few months. For you, what is the process like now uh, as far as writing and recording? Is it any different than when you started with the band? Well, it's maybe a little bit different in, in the sense that I tend to be more clear-cut in the way that I when I write words these days. I, 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 I do it using a computer as opposed to a, a notepad and pencil, so it, it looks prettier on the page straight away. And when I get a, a song completed and I send it to the band, then it's instantly circulated amongst everybody as a... As a, as a Word document, and then I make demos of the music to send out to them again via the internet. So they have all the material to, to work with in a way that I couldn't do in the 1960s when you you either um, right. usually didn't share the lyrics with anybody until I'd actually you know, made the record and they, perhaps they then got to listen to the song for the first time as a complete identity. But these days, it's easier to do it with the with the benefit of of uh, digital technology and and to to give to give the musicians a chance to to live with the music prior to the start of the band rehearsals and the recording process but that bit the recording process is kind of how it always was we get in the studio together we play together like we would play live on stage and we try to make a record that has some um some obvious link to live performance rather than it just being a studio production with um with everything being put together in a, an artificial way, which doesn't necessarily make it bad music, but I just like the idea of the band playing as a band together, so that's how we do it in the studio. With vinyl being full on again, and it has been for several years now, is the artwork on the album as as important as ever to you? It's always been important to me, and the, uh, the, the, uh, the album artwork is something that I suppose these days you are able to think in terms of bigger images, partly because of the vinyl, but also the fact that when you produce something as a box set, then it's a it's a big sort of vinyl-sized package, and you can include good quality material, photographs, text material, and do everything in a in a more satisfying way as a as a graphic designer or as a an artist coming up with uh, with new images. And and because I've worked on that since. I suppose since the very first album of, of, of Jethro Tull in 1968, the album this was, the, I didn't take the photographs, but the, the, the idea for the photographs and the, the imagery and the general layout of the album artwork, that was coming from me because I suppose having a background in, in pictorial arts from my days as an art student, then uh, I've always rather enjoyed that bit of the process as well. Um, so yes, it's nice to be able to to, to deal in bigger images. And the, the worst time was the, was the era of cassettes because <laughs> any artwork you did was reduced this postage stamp little um, yeah. feeble, bad sort of uh, you know what wasn't exactly done. You know, anything that was packaging back then was it was not really very satisfying to see it reduced in that way. But we. Um, we once again get to enjoy things in, in a in a better way. And of course, if you're if you're looking at the artwork online, whether it's on your phone or on a computer, you can expand it and see the detail that way. So now the fruits of our labour can be better appreciated, hopefully. And when I dig out one of my um, cameras that I use for doing group shots and general material for albums, then I can be sure that the um, 
the 60 megapixels which I work with currently are at least going to be put to good use. By the way, I was in a grocery store this past weekend, and Aqualung was playing through the speakers. I'm not sure how you feel about that. You know, I'm sure back in the day it was Muzak version of that, but a woman passed me by in the store, and she said, now this is great music, isn't it? Well, music has a, a place in people's lives that is sometimes intrusive. And, for instance, a couple of days ago, I was sitting in a perfectly nice restaurant having a perfectly perfectly nice meal in in Santorini, a, a Greek island, and, and it was spoiled by the fact they were playing some unbelievably monotonous and repetitive music that just seemed absolutely out of place uh-huh. and very intrusive. And I, I, I rather objected to that, and I, I said to my wife, I said, well, thank God they're not playing one of my songs, because <laughs> it was the wrong time and the wrong place to be doing that. But you know, if I'm in a if I'm in a Greek restaurant, I don't mind having some quiet uh, traditional Greek music playing in the background. But I don't really want to hear, um, you know, some uh, repetitive disco rap music or whatever at some <laughs> intrusive volume. So it, it all depends on circumstance and time. But I remember the first time I heard Jethro Tull, literally as elevator music. I think getting into an elevator somewhere in Los Angeles in in early 1970s, and I, I, I cringed and thought, oh, <laughs> you know, it's come to this. <laughs> re- reduced to elevator music, you know. Um, but whilst it might have, whilst it might have been uplifting in one way, it was downright depressing in another. Yeah, it's like the Hollywood Strings version of mm. Jethro Tull, I suppose. Um, tell me about the Seven Decades Tour, because it starts this summer. You must be looking forward to it. You're playing some great venues like the Greek Theater and the Wolf Trap. Well, it's, it's, uh, we've, been, we've done quite a few shows in the last, well, since COVID came, not to an end, but reduced to the level that we could continue working again in yeah. the summer of 2021. We've been playing catch-up on all the dates that were rescheduled, and, and now we've we're got a bit of a clear run to mostly fresh concerts this year and um tomorrow i'm off to the north of england to do a show and then coming back for a couple of nights and off to iceland to play and uh, various various points before we get to the usa for three short tours this year and yes you know, it's uh, it's enjoyable apart from the travel as i, I i've always said it, it's nice when you get there and it's nice when you get home again the bit in between it's it's the concerts that you were there for not the hour upon hour that you end spitting, uh, you know, spending in airplanes or in cars or vans or buses or whatever you're doing. That, that bit is not intrinsically enjoyable. The new album is available now on Amazon, iTunes, and all the usual platforms. Ian, so nice talking to you. Good luck with the album and the tour. We, we look forward to seeing you. Thank you very much. I look forward to seeing you too. Take care. Travel is becoming less and less appealing for a lot of artists these days, which is why you see so many of them doing extended residencies. And yes, completely slipped my mind that Ian's son-in-law is actor Andrew Lincoln, who plays Rick Grimes on The Walking Dead. Jethro Tull is brilliant live to this day. Go see them while they're in the States and pick up their new album. Well, that does it for this episode of The Fake Show Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Jim Tofty. I'll see you next time. Listen to The Fake Show anywhere on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com. The